Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind Healthy Life. Today we are honored to have Sony Mayers, a distinguished real estate expert with over 50 years of experience and a master's in the psychology. So welcome to the show uh Sony. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you and visit your audience. Lovely. That's lovely. So, um before we start our conversation because today's topic is very great and where we'll be talking about uh navigating to the night fives and also how to tackle the anxiety in the professional playground so uh, but before we delve into this topic i'd love to mention this to all of our listeners that from top rankings to the prestigious awards sunny uh, brings a wealth of knowledge so uh, like uh, sunny mears is not just an award winning real estate agent but a trailblazer with over 50 years in the industry So as the president of the Renesa group his achievements ranges from top national rankings to the prestigious awards including realtor of the year in Dallas so his unique blend of psychology expertise and the real estate success sets him apart so uh, join us as we tap into his uh, wealth of knowledge uncovering the keys to the success in the real estate and also about the uh, profound connection between a healthy mind and the thriving life so welcome to the show again sunny well thank you much avik i uh it was a very kind introduction i appreciate it very much um i'm looking forward to helping your audience and particularly talking a little bit about ownership entrepreneurship sales and marketing and anxiety exactly. because everybody who's been in sales and marketing and in fact own their own business has gone through periods of self doubt and a lot of concern about what's happening around them mm-hmm. and frequently suffer from anxiety and that sometimes blocks their ability to uh run their business and be successful so if i can help if i can help your audience deal with anxiety particularly in the sales and marketing function mm-hmm. that would be a very good way because i see a lot of that with people who seem to be paralyzed and unable to perform in their workplace because they're afraid of what might happen exactly exactly and and it it will also be very much useful because after covid-19 these things are very usual right now so uh, definitely very much so yeah so there is so. like this episode will be um, a game changing i would say because they will will be talking about something which we can uh, relate on with our daily life So yeah. You know, I happen to agree with you. I think COVID-19 and and the whole COVID uh situation changed the way people work a great deal. 
And that change did create a different environment. Uh, you know, when you when you used to work at an office environment, now maybe you're working from home. And when you're at home, you don't have the support structure, the the social support structure to encourage you. You don't have someone saying, hey, Vic, you're doing a great job, man. You don't have that positive reinforcement. And you're in a kind of like in a bubble of your own little world. And so you have to find ways of recognizing that that's a different environment and how you can react to it. So I happen to agree with you there. I think socialization and being around people and having them motivate you and you motivate them is a powerful tool in overcoming some people's lack of confidence or anxiety. Um, Anxiety manifests itself in a lot of ways. And frequently it blocks people from being able to think. And so what I'd like to visit with you a little bit today is how does someone deal with that? How does a person who's in sales, professional salesmanship, how do they overcome this fear or anxiety about what might happen? And so I'll be glad to go into that when you're ready. Definitely. So um, <clears throat> with this, like, how prevalent do you believe anxiety is in today's professional workplaces? And uh, yeah. what would be the factors that contribute to its occurrence? Well, I think it's very prevalent in pati- particularly people who start their own business, entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And the reason is uh, many entrepreneurs come into the owning a business mm-hmm. with a certain skill set. Maybe they have a skill set in uh, marketing or maybe it's in management or maybe it's in technology. Okay. But yeah. that doesn't mean they have all those skill sets. They may only have one or two. So they may not have accounting knowledge. They may not have customer service, uh, uh, client management concept ideas. They may not have the marketing skills or sales skills. They may not have all of those skills necessary. And as a result, they feel a lack of confidence. And when they're put into a situation where they have to react in a hurry, sometimes that causes them to freeze up and not be able to communicate. Uh, And so I think when you have entrepreneurs, now when you get into the sales field, sales and marketing field, where there's a lot of outreach and it takes a lot of willingness to take risk by calling someone or emailing or texting someone that you've never met before and you have to overcome the fear of rejection and fear of that person reacting negatively. Mm. And that can create a great deal of anxiety. Call reluctance is a well-known concept in sales and marketing. The call reluctance has to do with the fact that someone has to make a phone call to someone they've never met. And they build up all these things in their minds about what to expect. And that's one of the worst things they can possibly do is start assuming what's going to happen. And that makes them anxious. And so when they make the call, because they're anxious, their mind is not working openly and freely to be able to react to what the other person says. And that sometimes causes them not to listen to the other person rather than uh, they they don't listen to the other person and they're thinking about what they're going to say next. And that causes them even more anxiety. It's like layers of anxiety, okay? You start to get nervous about what you're going to do and then you start thinking about and imagining what's going to happen. And next thing you know, that anxiety grows rather than getting uh, more under control. So when you get into entrepreneurship or you're owning a business, maybe you don't know a lot about um, a particular area of the business. For example, many people who own their own business are not technology oriented. And as a result, they 
are afraid of technology and what they're doing in technology. And that makes them uh, uncomfortable. For me, I'm not a high tech person. And so taking a computer apart or dealing with a software problem makes me quite nervous, makes me anxious. And that can interfere with my ability to do my job. So from a sales and marketing perspective, it's really most often it's impactful when, for example, me talking to you today, okay? Mm. We have, uh, I knew about you because I listened to some of your podcast and I listened, I watched some of your, your YouTube uh, podcast and your channel. And I looked at what you do and I thought to myself, well, now I have a better understanding of Avic and what he expects and, and meeting with me. But that if I hadn't done that, Mm. I probably would have been quite anxious about this meeting. Exactly. So when, when it comes back to it, finally, what you might say is this. A person who has a lack of confidence mm. uh, is has a very hard time communicating freely and openly and comfortably with a person they've never met or never talked to. And so when you're in a sales position where you have to reach out to people and maybe they've, you've talked to them once or maybe never at all, you have to be willing to extend yourself and run the risk of rejection, right? Exactly. And run the risk that they say they don't want to talk to you. Well, that's fearful. And that fear causes people to get excited and nervous about what's going to happen. And then it grows in their mind. And so they, one thing I would say to people is when you're reaching out to people, my, my master's degree is in psychology, human behavior theory, okay? Human behavioral uh Theorist is what I call myself. I studied people for years and years, and I watched how people work. I've done a lot of different things, Vic, and a lot of studies. And one of the things I've done very much so is study how people sell and how they market to people. And one of those things that I've studied is why people react the way they do and how and why they have the response that they have. So when you think about someone who's getting ready to make a phone call, the first thing they might start to assume is, well, the person I'm calling is not going to like me. Uh, the person I'm calling is not going to take my call. The person I'm calling is going to think that I'm just a salesperson like everybody else in the world, and they're not going to want to talk to me. And they start to make these assumptions, and that builds up anxiety in their minds, and it causes them to get very nervous before they make the call or reach out to the person or talk to someone in person. Uh for example, at a, a large meeting where you don't know someone, but you have to walk up to them, introduce yourself and initiate conversation, hopefully that they will react to you positively. OK, so when you when you start building up and making all those assumptions, you psychologically jinx yourself in a way you, you, you put yourself under a, some assuming that something's going to happen when it may not happen at all. And so what I would say to you is, or, or anyone who's getting ready to go into a, an interview or a meeting with someone who they've never met before and haven't talked to before, is don't assume anything. Don't assume that they're going to like you or not. Don't assume that they're going to be positive or negative. Assume nothing. And then when you sp speak to them, don't focus on what you're trying to sell. Focus on them. Focus on what their needs are. Focus on how you can help them, how you can be a problem solver to them. Now, when you do that, you take on a different personality and a different approach than the typical salesperson does. Because the typical salesperson first thinks, I want to sell something, right? And the, the really, the, the key is to relate to people and have them uh, 
understand and like you. So that ties to a concept called the invitation to present. And I don't know, have you ever heard that concept? Uh, the invitation to present. Yeah, not exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the invitation, I'm glad you haven't heard of it because I have created the concept. Uh, the invitation to present is essentially when I talk to you and I start presenting to you, you don't always want to hear it. You're not ready to listen to me yet. You don't really know, you don't necessarily trust me or like me. And so what I say to people is the oddest thing about sales is don't be a salesperson. Be, be someone who cares about others. So when I talk to you and I don't start presenting, I start relating to you. Uh, Avik, what is it that you do? How did you get into podcasting? Why do you do this? What's your goals? What, what are the biggest issues that face you in running your business? I'm focusing the entire situation on you, not me. Oh. And that's a little different approach than people are used to. And so what typically happens is when you're talking to them about them, and you're putting them first, and you're putting, uh, how can I relate and understand you? I want to know about you. Then typically, after a little while, they will feel inclined to say, Sonny, now, uh, what do you do? How, how do you work with people? That's the invitation to you to present. So, for example, when someone, after talking to them for a few minutes and visiting with them, and you say to them, let me talk to you about you, about your needs, what you're what you're trying to accomplish and how how well, let me understand you. Then at some point, they feel psychologically compelled to reciprocate. And that's called self-disclosure and reciprocity. And it's a very important concept in psychology. Right. When disclosed to people feel an overpowering need to reciprocate with similar disclosures. Well, the same thing is true that when I disclose to you or I demonstrate to you that I care about you, you feel compelled to reciprocate and talk about to me. So if I show interest in you and I ask you questions about you, your company, your business and what you're trying to accomplish, your goals, for example, it's natural psychology that you would want to reciprocate by asking me about me and my business. Okay. It's a psychological concept and it's a need, not a, not a psychological. It's not a thought of I want to do this. It's a psychological need to reciprocate. OK, so if I spend the first five minutes of talking to you about you, about what you want to accomplish, your goals and how what are the biggest issues that you face in this in this very challenging world? OK, competition, for example, in this very competitive world. And I spend time focusing on you. You're going to feel compelled to want to talk to me about me so that you can reciprocate. And when you do, when you say to me, Sonny, tell me about you. What do you do for a living? That's the invitation to present. And when you ask me that question, what do you do for a living, Sonny? How do you help people in real estate? Whatever the question might be, you've invited me to present. And when you do that, Avic, you have opened the door for me to communicate with you in a way that's different than if I just started talking to you off the bat about what I do. You've invited me to present. And in doing so, you're willing to listen to my comments and my statements much more openly than you would be otherwise. So one of the secrets to success in selling is don't sell. Relate to people. Understand people. Get to know them. And listen for the invitation to present. And when you say to me, Sonny, now that I've told you a little bit about me, 
why don't you tell me about what you do? That's a powerful invitation to present. And when I start speaking, you hear it differently than if I started presenting to you right off the first time we met. Within a few minutes, I start saying to you, oh, let me tell you about what I do in real estate. You're going to go, no, no, don't push me, okay? And so when you're dealing, especially in the United States, where you deal with people who are used to communicating a little bit before they start selling. So what I find in in dealing, I've, I've taught in 20 different countries. I've taught sales and marketing in 20 different countries. I haven't taught in India, although I've had a number of Indian clients and I've had the invitation to come to India. I just never got the opportunity to go because it's quite a trip, you know, uh, from the U.S. So what I would say is when you when you work with people, you really need to think about how do I relate to them, not how I'm going to push on them what I want to say. And the same. So when in sales and marketing, when you're calling someone who doesn't know you, that's a great opportunity for you to listen to them. So instead of calling up and saying, hi, my name is Sonny. I'm a realtor uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Can I sell you real estate? That's a horrible start, isn't it? Because when you say that to them, they're going to go, I don't want you to sell to me. I'm not looking for a realtor. They'll find five reasons why. Now, if I plan my call to you or my meeting with you around making that presentation, I am self-fulfilling the prophecy that you will reject me. Because when I start out trying to push myself on you, you're going to push back. And that pushback is a rejection to me. And that uh, that increases my anxiety because I feel that you're not relating to me and not liking me. Okay? So don't do that. When I reach out to you, talk to you, get to understand you, wait for the invitation to present. And when you hear the invitation to present, go slowly. Don't rush into what you're doing. Okay. That's for the sales and marketing side. Now, when you're an entrepreneur and you know that you have skill sets in certain areas, but that you don't have skill sets in other areas, don't put yourself in a position of focusing on those areas that you are not skill set for. Uh, There's a concept I'd like to share with your audience. Uh, Demonstrating proficiency. Demonstrating proficiency. Now, demonstrating proficiency, that's kind of self-explanatory, isn't it? So it's hard to demonstrate proficiency in something that you know nothing about. Mm. So if you talk to someone about something you know nothing about, you're not going to demonstrate proficiency. Okay, But when you talk to someone about something that you know a great deal about. So if I was going to talk to you and the first thing I did was research you, look at your podcast, look at the interviews you've done, look at the audience that you speak to, understand where you're coming from. Okay then I have a lot more confidence in talking to you. And when I talk to you, I know enough about you that I can demonstrate proficiency of how I could help you, okay? But when I know very little about you, then it's almost impossible for me to demonstrate to you how I can be of great benefit to you, okay? So let me give you a quick story. Uh, When I'm talking to someone that I've never met, Mm. I'll give you a quick story. I called this lady. She owned a business in New Jersey. She had never spoken to me before. She knew nothing about me. And I called her hoping I would reach her, but not expecting to get her. I expected someone. She owned a small business. She was the owner of that business. It did about a million five hundred thousand in sales per year. Okay, It was a small, medium-sized business, six or eight employees. 
Now, when I called her, I fully did not expect to get her. Now, why did I call her? Okay. Well, she was in New Jersey, and I was going to be speaking in New York at a large hotel and doing a conference. And I wanted her to come to that meeting so mm. that I could meet her personally. So I wanted to get her from New Jersey to New York to see me speak. That was my goal. Well, I studied her business and understood her business very thoroughly before I called her. And when I called her, I was not fearful because I knew what I intended to do. Exactly. And when I called her, I got her receptionist. And the receptionist, to my surprise, put me through to her. I didn't expect that, but she did. I didn't assume anything before the call, but I didn't really expect her to put me through immediately. Well, this, young, this lady's name was Elizabeth, and she yeah. took the call, and she said, uh, basically, who are you? And I explained that I'm a marketing and sales consultant in real estate, and that I, I knew her business, and that I was calling her up to see if I could be of help to her. And she said to me, so have you ever owned a business like mine? And I said, no, I haven't. And she said, well, have you ever managed a business like mine? Mm. I said, no, I haven't. And she said, well, what do you, I suspect she did this because I couldn't see her. It was on the phone. I suspect she had kind of a cheeky grin, right, on her face. She kind of, what, what makes you believe that you can help me with anything in my business? I've been in this business 20 years. I know what I'm doing. What makes you think you can help me? And so I did something very surprising to her. I said, well, Elizabeth, let's play a game. What game? I said, you ask me any question that you want to about your business, right. marketing and sales, or your lease with your building, which was about a 27,000 square foot lease. Okay, That's a very large space. I said, you ask me any question that you want to ask me. And if I don't answer it to your sole satisfaction, I will apologize and go away and never call you again. But if I do answer it to your satisfaction, your sole satisfaction, if I answer your question to your satisfaction, you will come to New York and such and such date and see me speak. She said, hold on for a moment, please. She put me on hold. And while the jury was out, right. I waited for about 20 seconds. It seems like forever on a phone call. She came back and said, OK, I'll play the game. And she asked me the question that she thought was the most difficult question she had. In other words, what problem did she need to be solved? And when she asked me the question, because I had studied her business and I understood her business and I had looked at her industry great, very carefully, I knew the answer. And I answered her question and she said, when is the meeting in New York? And she came to New York and saw me speak. She became a client, a very good client. And I worked with her for a number of years. Now, why was I not afraid to make that call? Because I knew the answers. I knew the answers, and therefore, I was not anxious. I was not fearful. I did not expect failure. Now, I didn't necessarily expect I would get her. But if I got her, I was not going to expect. So one of the most important things, and that call demonstrated proficiency, right? Mm, yeah. I demonstrated proficiency. I, I demonstrated the ability to solve problems for her and help her. I became valuable in that way. And that's what caused her to be willing to go to New York to attend my conference in New York and meet me. And we became very good friends and very good clients. Now, to your listeners, how do you overcome anxiety? Understand your subject. Understand what the client. Understand what their needs are. Understand how they can help them. And, and be prepared to demonstrate proficiency to make themselves more valuable to the client 
so that the client wants to talk to you, wants to spend time with you. That's how you overcome anxiety in the sales profession, having knowledge and intelligence and having having competency in what you do. Of course, you would be afraid. If I had never done a podcast before and I had never talked to someone who operated a podcast, I would be fearful of you when I first called you, wouldn't I? Sure. But when I know what I'm doing before I call you, and I know that my goal here today is to help your audience. My goal is not to sell you something. You're in India. I'm in the United States. I'm probably not going to be able to help you with real estate. All right. So when I talk to you, my goal here today is to help your audience be more successful. And therefore, I'm not fearful. And since I'm not fearful, there's no anxiety. That's really, really great, I would say. So, um, <clears throat> From a leadership perspective, uh, how can the managers create a supportive environment that fosters the mental well-being and reduces the anxiety among their team members? Well, I think the, the key is to develop training programs. Develop training programs that cause the person to recognize the need for client knowledge before they get involved talking to a client. True. When if someone doesn't have knowledge about the client or their business, it's very difficult to be confident. And lack of confidence breeds anxiety. Okay, so what you want to have happen is, if I'm a manager, I want to say to myself, what is the, well, have you ever heard uh, uh, of a study methodology called an information transfer study? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, you probably have. An information transfer study studies what information needs to be where within an organization. But when you talk about sales and marketing, it needs what information does the client need to know that they may not know, okay? And so your training program should equip your people yeah. to talk to the client in such a way that the client recognizes that that person that's on your team has value and benefit and that your company is a highly professional company that can help them solve problems. So your management programs don't need to be focused on um, as much, need to be as focused as much on your products as it is the client and how the client can benefit from what you sell, whether it's a product such as uh, 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 a, a product such as an item, something physical, a computer, for example. In my case, I have to sell a concept. Consulting is how do I, how can I help you? I have to demonstrate to you through demonstrating competency that I have the intellect and knowledge to help you with your business. Now, that's not a product. They can't see it. For example, this is my book. They can't see my book. They can't hold it and feel it. it it's kind of um, ethereal. Okay. And so they have to believe when I get on that phone that if I have a problem, this is the guy who can help me. Mm. Now, if I can't convince them of that, it's pretty hard to expect them to buy my products and services. So from a management perspective, I think uh, my undergraduate degree is management with a minor in communications. My master's degree is in psychology. From a management perspective, what is the fundamental role of management? What is the fundamental role of management? It's creating meaningful jobs and assignments that allow you to have someone do that job, okay? They have to have a meaningful assignment and they have to know how to do that assignment, regardless of whether that's contacting people or managing a production facility or some other job within the company. So management's job is to make sure that people understand 
and teaching. I would say management is more teaching than anything. Now, it's hard to teach if you don't know. And that's why someone would look at my book and say, what can I learn from this book that would allow me to be a better manager or a better person in training and developing my people? Because that's the real secret to being successful in management, isn't it? You have to know what you know and what you don't know. And you have to know what you need to fill in in order to have your people be successful. So the primary job of management is finding meaningful jobs for people to do and then equipping them to do that job in the best way. Now, when a manager brings people into work and can't train them and can't get them to do what they want them to do, what does that create? Conflict and anxiety. Exactly. Yeah. So when you know what you're doing. So here's the thing I would say to people. If you can look, step outside of your body, mm. step outside of your body and look at yourself with self-introspection and be honest with yourself about what you know and what you don't know and where you, where you are great and where you need to improve. And when you can do that and you can say, I need someone else to help me in this area, then that's where you open up your mind to really understanding how to manage your people. Because you have to know what you're capable of and what you're not capable of. And then you have to find the resources or the knowledge to do the better job. And that's in managing, especially a small organization. Because a small organization with five or six people or 10 people, every employee has to be better than in a very large organization where you have 200 people. They don't have to be quite as good. But in a small organization, your people, each one of them have to be better because you have less resources. And therefore, each resource has to do a better job. Otherwise, the company will fail. Lovely. Great. So we've talked about management being a secret to, uh, well, self-knowledge. I mean, don't most people quit trying to learn at a certain point? And one of the most important things about being an owner of, of a business is that if you intend to operate a business over a period of 10, 20, 30 years, okay, it's going to be a long-term business. It's not just for a few years. You have to continue to learn. And I make a point in my book that the artist mm. doesn't paint the same picture every time. That would not be very challenging nor rewarding, would it? They have to learn to paint different subjects and different photos, different subjects each time. And each one requires greater knowledge, skill, and different talents and different use of colors. The palette is different and the subject is different. And therefore, they have to grow. So when an owner of a business stops growing and stops learning, then they, they, they start shortening their success or lowering their success factor. How likely are, to be, are they to be successful if they stop growing? Because the world is not going to ch stop changing, especially in the real estate world where it changes cyclically every few years. Okay, So uh, someone who owns their small business, an entrepreneur who stops learning will probably be very anxious probably be very nervous. And if they can't demonstrate competency and they can't listen for the invitation to present and they can't get new psychology-oriented training, like what I ta I'm talking about today, their, their likelihood of success is diminished. Understood. Great. That's that's really, really great, I would say. So, um, and, and you have explained this so easily and so... Uh, 
what is what is what is it's it's very much it's very much easy to understand that's what right. uh, uh people will definitely be able to resonate with uh, what you mentioned and uh, thanks for sharing this and also uh one more thing one more thing like how can organizations better support their employees who uh maybe struggling with their anxiety both on a day-to-day basis or maybe during some challenging times well let, let's take an example uh, and i think that's a great question uh Vic. i think it's a great question because the manager or the, the sales manager or the or the owner okay yeah. uh how can they help their team members not be anxious well if you were a broadway uh art uh, actor yeah and you're on broadway and you're an actor and you go to the, the theater tonight, mm-hmm. and it's opening night, all right? Okay. And you've never done a dress rehearsal. And maybe you've studied for hours and hours and hours uh, your lines. Maybe you've memorized your lines, but you've never done a dress rehearsal. Exactly. And so you, you go to the show tonight. Now, would you be nervous if you've never done a dress rehearsal? Yeah. Probably very nervous, right? Well, one of the most important things in management, unfortunately, management today hmm. has gotten away from observation. They they put people in a situation and then they don't observe what they're doing. They don't witness what they're doing. They ask them to perform and, and get results, but they don't watch them and observe them. Okay. Now, one of the most important things in teaching someone like you and I talking today is to role play in fact dress rehearsal now a role play is where you pretend to be the client and i pretend to be the person that's calling you right and we do a role play in practice okay and that's what i did with elizabeth right i put her into a role play i became the consultant she became the person asking for help and describing a problem to me and i showed her i would solve that problem and she was so impressed with that that she took a train or whatever she, however she got to New York to see me speak. And when I spoke to her at that meeting, she yeah. became a fan, what I would call a raving fan. Have you ever read the book from, by Ken Blanchard called Raving Fans? No. That would be a great book for you to get. Okay. Definitely. Now, so so the the manager, the owner of the business or the manager needs to be able to, because they have the most knowledge, don't they? Yeah. Typically, the owner of a business has the most knowledge. I mean, you know what you want in a guest, okay? And you have the most knowledge about what you want in a guest. Now, if you didn't sit down and role play with your team members about who is the best guest to get for your podcast, it'd be pretty difficult for them to do so much. So the manager has to learn to communicate with and role play. Put the the team member into situations where they have to be able to verbalize what they should say. Give them a chance to dress rehearse. Exactly. And when they dress rehearse, it doesn't come easy. There's there's no way. And by the way, the manager, the owner, whoever it is, the entrepreneur, when they're doing these role plays with these people, these yeah. team members, will ascertain very quickly whether or not they have the capability to do what they're asking them to do. Now, that might should have been done in the interview process before they hired them, mm. but that doesn't always happen the right way. Sure. But if they determine that a team member cannot perform the function, then you have a choice. You either have them do a different function or you have to replace the team member because you're going to ask them to do something they can't do. So dress rehearsal determines whether or not the actor can not only remember their lines, 
but mm. can react the right way with the right expression at the right time to make the play a success. Well, that's what role plays are, and that's dress rehearsals in business. Unfortunately, many managers today don't take the time to do dress rehearsals. They don't do role plays with their team members. And more importantly, they don't observe the person with a client on the phone with someone. And as a result, they really don't know what that team member can do or can't do. So if you want to eliminate anxiety, have dress rehearsals, have role plays, do teaching sessions where you help the team member understand what they're supposed to be communicating and why. And you, you get to know the team member's capabilities as well as you know your own. Hope I've answered that question for you. Oh, exactly, definitely, and uh, that that's that's a great way of explanation. I would say I I, I must ap applaud for this for sure. And well, uh, thank you. Yeah, and 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 uh, that that's that's a wrap of another insightful episode where we discussed uh, about navigating to the nine to five, and it's a great uh, a great thing we have learned today uh, because. Uh, right. We all we all face this kind of scenarios on day to day basis, and it it's 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 a great learning I would say to uh, all of you. May I take just a minute to tell people about my book? Sure. Okay, my book called The Architecture of the Real Estate Practice. Yeah. Is a it's a textbook style book. Okay. It's in color, and it is it is it's got an interactive feature that's unusual. Uh -huh. When they're reading my book about. Uh, demonstrating proficiency, for example, they'll have a QR code and they can go to the QR code and scan it and it'll take them to my YouTube channel and they'll see a video about that subject that they're reading about at that time. Oh. Okay. So it's really we're kind of a technology play on the book. Okay. There are 18 videos that are, that are part of the book. Mm. Those 18 videos, when they see when they see a section in the book that I'm talking about, like I did today, and they mm. want to see me present like you saw me present today, mm. then they can go to that video and see that. Now, in addition, there's over 5,000 words of scripts. Scripts are like what we did today where we role played and I showed you how we could talk to each other like that. And those 5,000 words are scripts of learning the language of real estate, which, by the way, is the language of sales and marketing. It's not just real estate. So my book is available on my YouTube. You can go to my YouTube channel. You can learn more about me. You can go to my book website at realestatebook.org. If you want to know more about me, you can go to sunnymoyers.com. And that's my, my personal real estate website. Realestatebook.org is the book website. And you can also go to my YouTube channel, which is The Architecture of the Real Estate Practice, which is the book. The book will be published by Ingram Spark, which will be published, distributing internationally. I don't know where they'll be distributing in India, but they will be in most of Europe and all the rest of the world. And Ingram Spark is one of the largest, probably the largest in the world. And so I can also would love to visit with people. If they ever want to find out more about me, they can just Google Sonny Moyers in Dallas, Texas, realtor and they'll find a lot about me okay i've got a lot of different video on on youtube and uh but certainly i think the key thing though is this my overall goal is to help people be more successful with less fear less anxiety less apprehension and help them be successful and happy wow that's that's really lovely great so um 
some dear listeners like i would love to mention like if you if you found today's discussion valuable do not forget to hit subscribe and please share your thoughts in the comment section uh your feedback definitely matters and we would love to hear your experiences or any of the strategies you have found effective in managing the workplace anxiety so always remember that you are not alone in this journey and an open conversation are always essential for breaking down the stigma surrounding the mental health in the workplace so until next time take care of yourselves and each other so this is your host avik signing off from healthy mind and healthy life and from the topic navigating 9 to 5 so stay, stay well and be happy thank you so much <laughs>